I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. I'm April, VP of the cutting-edge sex toy company, Hot Octopus, and I dedicate my life to the business of sex. We are on a mission to teach you how to have hot sex, deep intimacy, and how to make your own rules for who you are as a sexual being. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Don't forget to head on over to our website, shamelesssex.com, for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. This one is a little different than what we usually do. If you are a regular listener, you have heard Dr. Nan Weiss on our show multiple times and um, somehow April and I fell in love with her and decided that we want her to be our uh, family slash spirit animal slash regular uh, sex question answer and guest. And so we're hoping that she will continue to come on our show maybe once a month to answer your sex questions. And we get a ton of sex questions from you all and we love that. Please do not stop doing that. Um, we can't answer all of them. We try to do our best. If you are Instagram people, we are on Instagram live at 12 p.m. on Fridays, a specific standard time where we are also answering sex questions there. Um, but now we're with a neuroscientist, licensed therapist, also just an awesome human, Dr. Nan Weiss. Welcome back to Shameless Sex. We love you. We love, I love you. Jillian, I love you. It's very mutual. Oh, Perry loves you and Legend loves you. Those are all our dogs, everyone. I think think you ladies are up to some incredible stuff. I'm very, very proud of what you're up to. We we feel so fortunate to have you as a regular guest. You're like our, our clinical specialist on the show for, for folks out there because you have this innate ability to just, I think kind of, give really great advice to all sorts of different folks with all sorts of different experiencing all sorts of different things for lack of a better, I don't want to say issues or challenges, but things, right? Opportunities. Yes. Ooh, I like that. Opportunities. Yeah. And it's sex and love. I've been a relationship expert for a long time. I've been around a long time. So I've done a lot of work with relationship and then the sex um, therapy and the sex neuroscientist. So and I've been uh, in relationship a long time too. Mm-hmm. Yes, so. you have the experiential practice in all the realms. Oh yeah, <laughs> certainly. I'm with, and I've done monogamy. I've done um, polyamory. Oh, so and with the same person oh. for the longest time. That's and great because one of our together. questions on here actually talks a little bit about polyamory and open Whoa! relationship stuff. So yeah, I was one yeah. of the first of my colleagues to openly discuss training clinicians to be able to have some ability to deal with people who had other kind of love styles and not get all pathological all over them. So the, not the traditional hetero relationships you were talking about. The the other things which I think is really important important for people to know about that's just not like one size fits all for relationships. That's absolutely the case. And we need to really um, understand that you can do relationship in lots of different ways. And it's really your, you know, path to find out for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I can't wait for that question. This first question is really, it's really great too. Uh, Should we jump in? Are you all ready? Dan, are you feeling it? Let's do this. 
All right. All right. So I've been listening to your podcast a ton in the last few months, and it has helped me so much personally and as a licensed therapist specializing in sexual trauma. I'm really curious to hear about how people are handling their sexuality during quarantine times. How are folks' libidos being affected with all this collective trauma? How are people managing their sexuality in these times? I'm sure online sexual services and contacts are increasing. How is it working out? What will sexuality look like after COVID-19? Thanks for all that you do. Again, your podcast has been very transformational for me personally and clinically. So there's a few questions here, Dr. Nam. And the first one, just just in case, because it was kind of a, a ways ago, was how are folks' libidos being affected with all of this collective trauma? Well, that's a great question. And it's kind of like libido is a complicated thing because it's not just high or low. There's active desire, which is when you're spontaneously horny. There's receptive desire where if you get a sufficient like stimulation when someone is seductive or you get your vibrator out and you get arousal going, you can you know tap into um, the receptive and it becomes more active. Um, what I would say is that it's like everything else, the individual differences loom large. For some people, they see this as an opportunity since they're in, if they're in with their partner, if they're quarantined with their partner, there's more time where we're less distracted by running around like chickens without a head. So some people, like, and I'm secretly hoping that the um, being in the lockdown is going to have some really good effects on people's ability to connect with each other. I've been doing a lot of talking about that and encouraging of that people actually spending time looking at their partners and talking to their partners and get off their devices. So for some people, when they are stressed, their libido completely flattens out. So if people are worried about whether they're going to have a job or if they're trying to do their work from home, which is can be really difficult, especially if people have kids and they're doing that in, you know, with, with the, at the same time they're parenting, libidos are going to go out the window. For other people, a little bit of stress can actually amplify their desire to connect, you know, because it's sort of like it makes people feel like, oh my God, this is like, you know, um, I'm aware of how important it is, people in my life, and, you know, they don't want to take anything for granted. So again, individual differences loom large. A little bit of anxiety or stress can sort of activate libido for some people. And I think in everybody, you get to a certain point where there's too much stress, it shuts down the lust system because the panicking kind of systems in the core emotions get stirred up. So, you know, we weren't doing so great about um, sex before the pandemic and that there was a sex recession where there was a number of uh, reports that came out that people like 23% of adults hadn't had sex in the year prior. That's a lot of people not having sex. And I blame it, or shall I say, I don't want to blame because that's such a partisan thing to do. I would say, I think what's driving that is divided attention, where people are so distracted that they're actually uh, flattening out their, the dopamine seeking system, which is important for lust. So in terms of that question, what's happening, how is the COVID um, 
crisis affecting people. What's the future of sex? What's going to happen after this? I I think the big looming question for everybody about COVID is the uncertainty that we're facing. When is this going to be over? What's everyday life going to look like? You know, everybody's so impatient. Well, not everybody, but there's certainly, certainly an impatience to get back to a regularly scheduled life. And I think as far as sex goes, I suspect that for some people, this will be a brilliant wake-up call to prioritize simple, healthy hedonism pleasures like, you know, enjoying their bodies and getting out and walking in the sun and exercising and having really good connections. For some people, it'll be a great opportunity to reboot their habits with their partners too. And for other people, it'll be a blip on the map. And, you know, as soon as life goes back to any semblance of Normal, they'll plug themselves back into the device, maybe connect with porn, which porn is, I don't see anything wrong with porn. It's how people use it or misuse it. If it becomes a distraction from having real relationships with real people, then I think it's a question of how you're using it. So did I miss any part of that question? No, I think you covered most of it. And I think it would be great to address some of the single folks out there too, because I think I've noticed at least that if you're single, people are are getting lonelier because they don't have a lot of the touch or the pleasure that they may were maybe were getting out of dating or going out or hooking up. And I think that is something that people have asked me about. And you're, you're such an expert. I would love if you could touch on that as well. Great highlighting, April, because this is a big issue. And this is what I I was, I think there's something coming out. I did an interview for Ringer on this. You know, one of the most important things that people need to learn is when they think they're hungry for sex, what they're really looking for is a connection. And whether or not you have a sexual partner right now, you can still explore connection. So, you know, we're sitting here and we're talking to each other. We're not in the same room. But we can see each other, we can hear each other, we can go deep, we can get to know each other. And people can do this in lieu of actual physical dating. And I think that people who take the opportunity rather than rush into meetups like we used to when, well, not me personally, I'm a little bit out of that these days. But, you know, like rather than just going right into the getting to meet somebody that It's really important to spend time looking at people better than the phone and certainly better than texting, which is totally not connected, listening and learning and putting out some real good energy about getting to know people more deeply. What's on their minds? What's on their bodies? What's their emotional weather? What a great opportunity we have now because we're all in this unprecedented experience that we're sharing and it's impacting us all so um, intensely in some sort of way, profoundly, you know, getting to know somebody really, like if you wanted to go out and date, do virtual dates right now, find people that you want, that you're interested in and stop thinking about that. You have to rush in to have some genitals, do some friction somewhere and think about having kind of that really energy exchange where you're penetrating the person with your consciousness. Oh. Whoa, how hot is that? That's what think, that's what we straight people can learn from kinky people. And I'm, no I'm condoms saying, needed there, right? You can just go all in. Penetrating the secret to sexual potential over a lifetime is the capacity 
to get turned on by life and also get turned on with another human being really climbing into their experience. And holy shit, we could really learn a lot about each other right now. It's a bonding time. So when we think we're hungry for sex, often what it is is for connection. Mm-hmm. And I think we're just so used to trying to scratch the itch that we forget that the real satisfying part comes from the connected part of sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe it will, it will actually help to highlight that, that folks that think everything is about sex, you know, and bring that because now it's less available if you're a single person or, or if you're in quarantine, you're stuck with your partner and you don't want to have sex with them as much because you see them all the time. Uh, maybe now you can, this is the, this is going to be the inspiration to look deep deeper have a deeper perspective on this in terms of what am I really wanting here like a lot of people just and there are some people it is about touch and sex it just really is um but yeah I I really I really like that when people can maybe actually see that it's really I'm just longing to like feel connected seen heard understood you know is it in a loving way in a sensual way um yeah I think that that would be all of the above Amy and I think really the highlight is that it's not that we have to forego the genital friction touch. And we are, we do have a touch hunger as human beings for touch, for, for connection. You know, that's part of why pets are so satisfying. Not that we have sex with our pets, but no. we connect with them. Yeah. So it's like, we can have it all. And if we slow it down enough, where we're really focused on being present to each other, present to ourselves, present to our partners, present to our friends, and socialize, get on Zoom or FaceTime and connect and climb into each other's experiences. That's what satisfies. And I think if anything um, can create, high, like highlight this is that we can't take things for granted anymore. You know, that's what uncertainty does. Like, you know, people get sick and die. People, you know, healthy people get sick and die with this. And, and we don't know when life is going to look normal again and what the new normal is going to look like. So it's time to like get out of our old habits of be, and we weren't having that much sex when we could have sex. So hello, time for a wake up call. It's the brutal awakening. And yeah. and before we move on to the next question, one thing I just wanted to add and maybe add a question to that for you. I would imagine that the folks who, so say they're in partnerships, they're living together they already were having some issues, maybe not having a lot of sex or connection, and then this shit happened. Um, or folks with addictions, uh, maybe it was the beginning phases of addictions. They were just like already starting to do some coping behaviors, and then this shit went down. You know, I would imagine for those people who are already on the path potentially towards things being really hard if they didn't get start to do the work around it, that a lot of people right now who are listening to this podcast and beyond are now kind of in the fast lane in the thick of it. It's actually very aggravated for them right now. Well, it's really hard, but you know, I always like to tell my clients, my couples, breakdown, breakthrough. When you are challenged and there are things that you are really not liking about what's going on in your relationship If you learn that you can take a stand for what you want and need, and you don't have to make the partner wrong, and you can take some risks to develop a kind of safe container to have the conversations. I put this up on my website, how to give and take sessions 
for couples. I've been doing this for like probably 25 years with my husband, who actually was my first lover. Not my last lover, but my first lover. <laughs> and, and, you know, this I think has really been one of the tools, if not the most important tool we've had as a couple that's, that has allowed us to reinvent our relationship by relating, going to the scary, difficult conversations, you know? And I think when we're willing to do that and give the, the partner the benefit of the doubt, climb into their experience, because even the stupidest shit that people do makes some sense for them when they do it. So we need to get the understandable part. We need to establish how we can calm our own nervous system so we don't go batshit crazy and just get defensive because defenses just beget other defenses. And that's not where the fun is. So I agree. I think this is a great opportunity if things have been kind of um, fermenting Mm -hmm. and let the, you know, you let the pressure build up and then you find some way to safely release it by having an authentic, actual communication where you're not listening to make a point or listening to blame your partner or listening to change their mind or whatever the agendas. Cause we always think we're right, but 95% of what we fight about or what we have trouble with is just a matter of opinion. Mm-hmm. And we need to get over that and, and figure out, you know, my experience, and I say this to people have had tremendous challenges in relationship, like these horror stories of like the horror house of relationship disasters. When you see people learn how to get over the worst stuff by really being able to listen into each other's experience and find the understandable part and learn how to self-soothe and have empathy and compassion for the partner, a lot of the logistics or the practical issues or the things they're fighting about loosen and soften and then the solutions become so much organically available. So it's skill sets that we need tools and skills. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing a lot of uh, themes of opportunity. And I think for the, for the folks who are in that of like, ah, it's the worst that it's ever been, whether it's your addiction issues or, um, or your relationship or, or things like that. And, and, and we, the reframe might, right. Or the opportunity right now is opportunity, right. Is like, okay, yeah, maybe you hit rock bottom and maybe you're in rock bottom for a little while. Cause you feel kind of stuck and everything's really aggravated right now. And, that there might be an opportunity here and and how wonderful is it in a weird way that it's a kind of a collective experience that a lot of us are in that together. Exactly. It's an opportunity for all of us to have some wake up calls about, you know, what's our, what are our priorities. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say breakdown, breakthrough, you know, sometimes, and even addictions, when you think about it are really habits that at the root have some positive intention. Like people don't smoke cigarettes to give themselves lung cancer. They do it because smoking actually, what it does is it inhibits the thing that breaks down the neurotransmitters that make us feel good. So if you understand the understandable part that people are trying to do what we're trying to do for ourselves with our, shall we say, compulsive behaviors, (laughs) then we can work with that and, and be like resourceful and creative about finding solutions with a little help from our friends. We need we need to partner up for all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do it alone. And that's why we have wonderful folks like you who see clients and other other folks. I mean, there's plenty of folks around that are seeing clients, therapists and coaches and, and all kinds of practitioners alike. Okay. Let's go to question number two from 
Little Red Riding Hood. She said, or wait, she, I think she, I think she said uh, we could use the alter ego Little, Little Red Riding Hood because she likes to be eaten by the big bad wolf. All right. <laughs> so Little Red Riding Hood asks, I have been in a long distance relationship with a wonderful guy for over two years now. Now we have had a change to be physically together for longer time as I'm stuck at his place because of Corona. I am into dom-sub play where I'm submissive, and for the first time in my life, I have felt comfortable enough to tell this to my partner. For me, it has always been normal that I can only reach orgasm if I dive into my mind with fantasies while being with my partner. Right now, I struggle with orgasm because we are spending so much time together that my, my own imagination doesn't seem to be enough anymore. It takes such a long time for me to come that it becomes frustrating for me. And it also breaks the mood of the play for me when my partner has to stay down on me for over a half an hour. If you have any tips on how I can be more present in sex or how my partner can help me to be more present, please share them with me. And I'm also interested in any tips for dom, sub, play, long distance relationship, etc. Wow, that's a great question. So let me say I've got a couple of different answers. So everything sexual has biological and then what we call psychological or learning, experiential stuff, and then the social is the cultural. So on the psychological perspective of this, is first of all, it's not unusual for people to find their way to the orgasm in a way that works for them. And this is often true for um, both men and women, but particularly for women, um, since uh, a lot of women don't have as much experience laying down the orgasm pathways because they don't tend to masturbate as much as men. That's a general thing. Men tend to beat the meat a lot. So what happens is the neurons between the penis and the brain get all strengthened the pathways and they can find their orgasms pretty easily. For women, it may not come so naturally, meaning that it may take a little bit more um, effort because we also get taught culturally. There's the social thing that, you know, women who are um, too, too prone to masturbation, there might be something wrong with them, depending on people's religion and kind of, you know, too sexual is, is always a kind of thing. So there's a couple of there's a practical solution to this. There's the emotional hook. The emotional hook is the meaning the orgasm has. When we go looking for, striving for, focusing on the orgasm, what that does is it takes us out of our experience. So I always like to say watched orgasm doesn't boil. So when you're then not finding the orgasm coming, no pun intended, quickly enough, You start thinking about the orgasm isn't here, it's taking too long, and we miss the boat on the sensations. So one great strategy is to kind of step a little bit away from pursuing the orgasm and get back into sensations. And in this particular case, it sounds like Red Riding Hood likes to use some fantasy, so she uses her imagination, which is wonderful. Some people are really talented at like kind of immersing in that. And since she's spending more time with this partner, the immediacy of just, you know, like being able to be together a lot might be taking the charge down just a little bit for her. So 
Uh, that may be part of it. But what I would say is don't chase the orgasm so much. Just focus on your sensations, both the, the um, fantasies in your mind, the sensations you're having in your body. And then if you want a more body-oriented thing, if you want to make the orgasm happen, if you want to facilitate orgasm, one of the easiest ways for women is to masturbate first so that you've got all of the engorgement in all of the tissues. So for example, the, the clitoral bulbs stay nice and chunky and the clitoris is nice and, and um, engorged. And with women, we don't have to like go back to square one before we can have another sexual romp like men. Men have to kind of go back to go and then rest to go up. So having some extensive either foreplay or masturbation before she does partner sex might help. And here's another hot tip directly from my lab. So she's having oral sex, which means that she's probably getting mostly clitoral stimulation. If you can add up some nipples with that, because that also goes to the genital sensory cortex. And I published a paper where we map the pathways. So making sure that she gets some nipple stimulation and even, dare I say, add an anal toy to the mix. Now... I have a whole piece I'm putting out in a couple of weeks about why you might want to consider using an anal toy. And it's for the reason the more you stimulate the various pathways, different nerves that all go up to that pleasure place in your brain, the better. So that's a practical tip there. I I love that that suggestion. I'm a huge fan of incorporating anal play into any kind of, of play. Usually I'm like, let's add the anal play because it just adds an extra element. And we were just talking about this the other day, how, if you, sometimes if you wear a certain size plug, you can actually get some G spot stimulation. If you do add fingers or uh, penetration, right. To the oral play exactly. or you have penetrative sex. So each one of those specific um, genital regions and the, the anal region is served by different nerves that all converge on the brain's crotch, the (laughs) general sensory cortex. So adding a little nipple, some actual penetration stuff, and anal penetration and pushing on the, um, it can be on, if you're pushing on the wall of the rectum against the the G-spot, like you can get to, you know, kind of put pressure on it. That's what makes it feel so good. So more is better in that department and less thinking about the orgasm, more enjoying the sensations. Okay, time for a quick break. This podcast is made possible by OMGS.com. OMGS is a research-based online program that teaches you all about how to pleasure the pussy. OMGS studied thousands of vulva owners to find out how they orgasm and then made tasteful and inspiring short videos to show you techniques on how to pleasure yourself or another vulva. I've been recommending OMGS to my clients for years and has changed their lives. So for all you vulva owners or vulva lovers out there who may already be having good orgasms and you want to take it to the next level, or perhaps you want to explore more variety in your playtime, OMGS will have something just for you. With two seasons, one all about internal and the other all about external techniques, it's better than any book or DVD money can buy. To learn more, 
visit omgs.com backslash shameless. Our listeners get $5 off. Check it out. This podcast was also made possible by Uberlube. It's a luxurious silicone lubricant great for all kinds of sex. It's less likely to throw off the pH than most other lubes. And there are hundreds of doctors who recommend Uberlube to their patients, whether they want to make their hot sex even hotter or for folks who are experiencing dryness. You never knew lube could be this good. So whether you're an avid lube lover or you've never used lube before, Uber Lube is right for you. It has no flavor, no scent, and feels absolutely amazing on the body. Uber Lube has endless uses. I use it to tame my hair frizzies, to prevent chafing, and I even put some in my mouth right before an oral sex session, and it totally ups my blowjob game. Oh, and the bottle, it's gorgeous. It's totally discreet and looks more like a beautiful cosmetic product, so you can even leave it on your nightstand shamelessly. To learn why we think it's the best lube on the planet, check out uberlube.com. Use code SHAMELESSSEX and you get 10% off and free shipping. That's uberlube.com. Go check it out. And now back to the show. I think that the anal play also could go answer kind of the question about the sub-dom play. Yeah. Bring that out. It's like, I mean, it, there's so many ways to play into sub-dom play, right? But this person identifies as submissive. So you have your toy and you, you, you give it to your partner and, and, you know, tell them that they get to, you know, order you around and insert it in you. Of course, you're giving them- Or add the restraints. I have the under the bed restraints. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. could be really great for sub-dom play, depending, just taking away the ability to even move around is really yeah. cool. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that will amp up the sensation too. Yeah. So you you uh, both generated some really great add-ons that can be used in that, you know, dom sub thing. Hours of fun. Hours of fun yet to come. And if y'all, all listeners need a butt plug, go to purepleasureshop.com. You get 15% off with coupon code shameless sex. We have a lot of butt plugs on there. And you have the under the bed restraint system too. Yes, we do. Because that's where I got it from. Hi. Uh, Yeah, I love it. What (laughs) great ideas and what wonderful conversations we're having. And I'm so glad your readers are asking these great questions and that you are a place they can ask them. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to our listeners. They're just, we love you. I think, some of the most amazing humans on this. Truly, we have a, a woman who deals with sexual trauma as a therapist. Mm-hmm. You know, just, and, and the, these are the people listening to you, tells you about the quality of your audience. And just to say something about trauma, life is trauma. So, one of the things I would say is that when we understand that, Obviously, some people have very traumatic sexual experiences and and all of that. And by having some compassion for all of us human beings, because nobody gets out without some kind of trauma. And when we understand that, we can appreciate life more. Mm-hmm. And accept radical acceptance, you know, mm-hmm. like pandemics happen. Yeah. And then you got people who deny it. That happens. There's all sorts of stuff happening. Yeah. I can tell this next question too was is probably triggering for Amy as I was reading through it, which I'm going to read because uh, I was reading it. I was like, oh, damn. Sounds familiar. It's a long, it's a really long question, but it's one that, that really touched me in a personal way. Are you all ready? Are you ready, Dr. Nan? I'm so ready. I think this listener builds a nice story though and kind of sets the, sets the environment or the ambiance for the question. So it is important. All right. And 
it, it wasn't Amy who asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a couple of years ago. Yeah, a couple of years ago. All right. I have a live-in boyfriend who I have been with for three years. Our relationship has been good except for one thing, his desire to sleep with other women while maintaining a relationship with me. The beginning of our relationship was tough. Not long after we first got together, he was openly dating and having sex with other girls. He did tell me during this time that he wanted an open relationship. However, I was not comfortable with that because he ended up trying to form monogamous relationships with a few of these girls, cutting me off to be with them instead. We were on and off for a while because of this, but I decided to stick around because I loved him and he wanted me back each time. Whenever I found out he was talking to or having sex with another girl, he passed it off as being polyamorous and in air quotes, even though he knew how much it hurt me. He implied that this that his behavior during this time was okay because I knew about it and that he didn't consider it cheating because he was being honest about it and not sneaking around with it behind my back. I have given in to his fantasy of having a threesome with me and another woman a couple of times, which I have found that I am actually okay with. It's when he wants to have one-on-one sex with other girls or wants to date or form relationships on the side that I have a problem with. I want to add, I would be fine with him casually dating and sleeping with other women if I could do the same thing with another man. However, he is completely closed off to the idea of me being open with another man and said that he would consider it cheating if I ever did that. I love him deeply and I want a future with him, but it would hurt me to let him continue being open with other women. Is it time to let go of the relationship or is there a way to compromise? Wow. Um, what what this is not this is not polyamory this guy wants to have polygamy he wants yeah. to have various partners and have monogamous women with him mm-hmm. um what i would say to this person is that polyamory can work and it takes more work than monogamy and it needs to be built on a solid foundation of mutual agreement trust and better skills than people who do monogamy have in terms of relating. What I would suggest, if she isn't ready to kick him to the curb, when uh, I would get online and find a poly support virtual group and have him talk about his version of what he's talking about as polyamory to this group, and they will shout him down so quickly. This don't, is not don't tell them that they're going to do that. <laughs> I think I think you know there are there are definitely people who one of the things I've dealt with over the years, and we're going back oh 25, 30 years that I've been working with people with um, used to be called swingers before the word polyamory because swingers some of them had ongoing relationships, but. You know, one of the things that um, when couples, when one person is poly and one person isn't, that can be a challenge, but that's when people are, when the other person doesn't want to be poly. This is a coerced relationship, in my opinion, because what he wants is he wants an open relationship, but he doesn't want her to have an open relationship. There's nothing egalitarian about this. And I would say that um, it would be very hard for me to imagine 
being able to work on a sustainable love relationship with someone who's essentially being a bully. Mm -hmm. That's a bully tactic. He, He can have, but she can have. And it's not cheating for him to sleep with other women because he tells the truth, but she's not allowed to have, you know, so this is, is this Utah that they're living in? Are these, are these, I, I've, you know, I've seen everything. And one of the, the things like, you know, I consider myself polyamorous in terms of my, whatever you want to call it, you know, that I have had, um, been in a committed relationship. I was monogamous for 20 years and then polyamorous in a, in a, with my husband for 25 years. And people often use the term polyamory to avoid their issues about intimacy. Mm-hmm. So this guy sounds like he's got some issues. He wants to be in control. He wants to have all these, you know, other relationships and he wants to be completely in control of the girlfriend. And, uh, you know, I think that's not polyamory. That's some, an issue with his, not to diagnose him, but his attachment style. There's something not quite right about that. I would say, and I completely agree with you, it's intimacy issues, definitely. And if I were in this listener's shoes, I would try to set the playing field so there's equality, right? To be like, look, I want you to know I'm not I'm not giving you an ultimatum here. However, in all fairness and in, in the level that I want an equal playing field, I'm totally into exploring open relationship, right? However, it needs to be that both of us can go down those avenues. It's not really justified for you to be able to go there. And if you are unable to meet me in that, then it is time for maybe we can be friends and I love you and we could hook up occasionally if you want. However, I just, I, there's too much hurt there and I, I'm risking my heart here and that I, that's what I would come with, with this, with this situation. What do you think about that? That's great advice, April. And you know, one of the things is when we get attached to people and I'm sure she sees some really good things in this guy that she loves. What I usually do is I, you know, we'd say contact me and I'll set up a session with them. And, you know, look, I could be judgy in the moment saying this is intimacy issues on his part, but I'd be willing really willing to give them a a fair, you know, like start with, okay, what do you guys want to create? What are the tools we can help you create? They need a vision that could be work for both of them. And that's the one he's, the one he's dictating is not going to work for her. That's not sustainable. We want to create in relationship, infinite kinds of um, games that we can continue to reinvent and play meaning the things that we can continue hitting the balls back with each other and not sitting there while somebody's playing ball with someone else and that we have to sit by ourselves. That's no fun. No. fair. As as someone who's been in a situation that is similar to this, different, but, but similar in a lot of ways, um, um, I will say that, you know, falling in love with someone, first of all, and combined with some attachment issues, especially with the person that you're in love with, is the perfect person to bring up all your daddy stuff. That's oh, my, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll make you, not make you, can uh, inspire you to do some crazy shit that you normally wouldn't do when you're in your empowerment. Right? And yeah. when you also think about it, and this is true of relationships in general, I take this from um, what's called Imago theory, which is really cool stuff. We get together with people and so, so when we're intimate, 
we're so vulnerable with one another. And a lot of what's unfinished business for us can kind of end up flaring up in how it fits with the partner. And we end up kind of wounding each other in the way that we need to heal. And when you have a conscious partner who's willing to develop himself or herself along with you, then you can end up going from learning love to lasting love. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, it's like, yeah, this is a clear example of when, you know, that could be, you know, stirred up, but it also stirred up in vanilla monogamous relationships too, Mm -hmm. that there are issues that are pointy for us, that we get to roll up our sleeves and grow. That's what I like to say. Yeah. Yeah. In, I mean, in, in my experience of being, being something like this as well, it, it's, it, it, if there's not a lot of room for the other person to, it sounds like, you know, you're doing a lot of meeting them in this, for this person who wrote this, you're, you're doing a lot of compromise of yourself and meeting them. And they're not really doing a lot to compromise and, and meet you. And so there's negotiation, but it's, seems somewhat one-sided or, um, and I don't think everything has to always be equal. We don't want like tit for tat or complete fairness because then we're kind of just like counting points and all that. And it's not, it's not really helpful, but clearly, you know, it's not feeling like you're not feeling respected or cared for. And, um, and I, went through that for a long time and actually, and, and, um, and, and one of the things they said is, uh, I've given into his fantasy of having a threesome with me and another woman a couple of times. And I found them actually okay with it. Like, do we're doing things. We're just okay with them to appease someone else. That's when we're just like living a life, tolerating and being fairly happy as opposed to like, no, I, I actually really want this or this is feels really fulfilling to me and for us and for the greater good of our relationship. Not just like, yeah, I'm going to do it for you to keep you happy. Um, and, and that's just, those are just little signs of just, of, to me, of, as someone who's done things like that before, of um, potentially doing a lot of caretaking of someone else's emotions so that you don't lose the love because it's fucking terrifying to lose the love. You're in love with them. We're wired to maintain our connections. So that's the care system and the panic grief system will keep us focused on making every effort we can to keep a relationship together. But what happens is, is that we need to learn to take a stand for our need for our needs. That's a very important relationship skill and not doing that as is as negative a relationship violation as is being a bully or withholding. So there's the opportunity for this person to stand up for her own needs and wants and to um, ask the partner to work with her, whether it's, you know, making an appointment with me or somebody else to have a conversation about, you know, they're at this point where they really need to decide if, this is going to be a fair ground for both their needs mattering. And if both needs don't matter a hundred percent, that's not sustainable. She'll end up being very, I think, resentful and brittle after a time of just, you know, being trying to give, basically maintaining the relationship over self is not a good strategy for our physical or emotional well-being. Yeah. That's when you put on Beyonce and you say, tell him boy, bye. Tell him boy, bye. <laughs> 
Oh my God, April, by the way, I, we, I was revisiting all the videos that I recorded back when April and I were both single when I actually during the relationship that I was in that was similar to this when we were in a, an off phase of a couple months and April was recently divorced and she, I would go to her, your house and you would play Beyonce and you'd sing and dance and I would like, it would a hundred percent raise my spirits. Like it could be in the darkest place of just like then so sad and alone and lonely and I would go to April's and, and she would just play Beyonce and just like dance in front of the TV to the music videos. Like, come on, Chip. Get in. And it was, it was I get the fan on, get the oh fan God. on with the hair. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it does. It helps you. It's like some empowerment. Yeah. Shit. I'm like, yeah, well, and, right. and not just Beyonce, but like getting together with your, your girlfriends or your yeah. friends that love you and that will show up for you. And they will be like, you know what, you know, like what, whatever they have their opinion about your partner and what you should or shouldn't do. But like, it more it's more so like I'm gonna lift you up right now. I you know, I love you, I care for you. Like let's put on some Beyonce, drink some wine and get wild. Woo! Yeah. Good medicine. It. Very it's, important good medicine. Best medicine. Seriously. It really helped me. And I I don't know. I think that we all have the power and we all I mean, listening to the this podcast and, and having you, Dr. Nan be you know such a such a support system for a lot of these folks out there from just a an in-depth you know the narrow pathways that are that sometimes get I don't know if they get crossed but maybe they fire differently sometimes when you make these relationships and yeah I I say meeting with you would be a really fantastic option for this listener I think that and, and, and her partner. To do that and I give him a fair shake too because yeah. you know he may just not have a good map for how this can look and, you know, it, it's funny because a lot of times um, women can do these kind of polyamorous things more elegantly, in my experience, than men. And um, when it works for both parties, it can be a very sustainable way of doing relationship and personal growth. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's no nothing bad about wanting an open relationship, but open relationships need to be, people need to be having better skills. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think that just thank you, Dr. Nan, for all of your wisdom and sharing your amazing advice with our, with our listeners. And if you have a question, you're listening right now and you would like Dr. Nan to answer one of your sex questions, please write us at contact at shameless sex. And obviously write that this question is for Dr. Nan somewhere in this subject line would be great. And we'll save it for Uh, the next time she's on our show, which is ideally once a month, if we hopefully can all make the time, which we are trying to make as much time for each other as possible. This is the most fun I can possibly have on an app. What's my afternoon to be able to connect with you and to, you know, it's so important to have these conversations and realize at the end of the day, our relationships are the key to being, you know, healthy and happy. The quality of our relationships and sex is just a window into that is so, so important. And we all like, we all are going to go through our stuff. We're all going to, I used to call it polyagony instead of polyamory. And you'll learn. And one of the nice things is when you can have some elders of the tribe who have been through these things, who have some, you know, experience, we can kind of hold each other up and actually root for everybody to win, mm-hmm. not make anybody wrong. Oh, that's, those are some words to live by. And I, I don't want to go. I wish that we could be here with Dr. Nan all day because I just feel so, I feel so great after we, we speak with you and I'm sure our listeners feel the same. So unfortunately 
because this sh- our show is only in about an hour, we have oh. to say goodbye. But we were we're going to see you again very soon, Doctor Nan. To oh, thank you to all of our listeners out wait, there. Wait, we got to tell them how do they work with Doctor Nan? Oh, Doctor, I I actually you know, I'm anybody, so sorry, Doctor Nan. If anybody has a really burning issue that they need some attention on. I give free 15 minute consults where people can uh, set up, they can book a time right through my website, askdrnan.com, doctor spelled out. Um, They can email me. I have a lot of resources on my um, website um, for people and uh, they can just drop me a question, you know, through the um, website. They can just ask me the question. I can answer them privately if they'd like, or if they want me to bring it onto the show, you know, I can remember to bring it on. But if, you know, when it's something pressing, it's really important that people have the ability to reach out and not have to sit on it because sometimes just a little perspective can make all the difference when you see something from a bit of a different angle that's empowering. It's like getting the reboot with your friends. Mm-hmm. That's so pe- empowering in getting some, you know, sort of perspective from a coach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just assumed everyone knew how to get a hold of Dr. Nan. I, I can't <laughs> believe I forgot. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. And to all of our listeners out there, if you haven't had the moment in your isolation or your quarantine to drink some Margins Wine, now is your time. Go to marginswine.com. We have discount codes on our website for buying some bottles, half a case, case. You will save some money. It's beautiful boutique wine. Amy and I have been huge fans now for a couple of years, I feel like. And I just finally got my new shipment and I'm so stoked to try it out. So check out why we love Margins Wine. Sign up for her newsletter, marginswine.com. And check out Dr. Nansa. You can go ahead and ask her any questions. If you have a free moment in your day today, go ahead, write us five stars on iTunes. We read every single one of your reviews and we love you. Shameless sex revolutionaries. We will see you next Tuesday. And of course, next Friday, remember IG live 12 PM Pacific time. Every Friday, we answer more of your sex questions. All right. I think that was enough, right? For information. For Good one job. Day. We love you all. Ciao for now. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.